Well, hey there, Heritage family. It is so great to be with you this weekend. You know, as a church, we are passionate about connecting with God, with each other, and with our purpose. And it has been a joy over the last few months to to be able to live that out in virtual environments. But I have to tell you, this last week, when we had an opportunity to gather together at the Bettendorf campus to worship and to pray and to encourage one another, man, that was an awesome experience. It was so great to be together again. And if you were able to, to join us, you know how great that was. But if you weren't able to join us, that's okay. We have more opportunities coming up as we as a church continue to expand our circles as we look forward to gathering gathering together to worship in space together. In fact, if you go to heritageqc.com, you can click on a, a, a window there that says living in circles. And in that tab, you're going to be able to find all of the upcoming events and opportunities to gather in person together for worship, to pray, to be encouraged, to engage in communion together. And so I invite you to to check that out and to jump into one of those environments in the weeks ahead. In that same tab, you're actually going to find a group guide, a PDF version of this group guide, which provides a a number of, of great personal reflections that you and I can walk through as we walk in this living in circles journey there's also opportunities for group interaction uh, that are found within this booklet. And I really encourage you to check that out. Jump into this as we continue the journey to, yes, re-engage in physical spaces, but more importantly, to make ourselves available to the work that God wants to do in us in preparation for those moments. And so make sure you check that out. As we engage in worship today together through song, we're going to sing a song called Liberator. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And it implores us to stand firm then. And you know, today, as we sing the words of this song, as we sing about Jesus, our liberator, the one who has set us free, let us stand firm in worship today. And let us lift our voices in declaring that Jesus is our liberator. And because of Jesus, we are indeed free. And so let's worship together today.
me with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear and I am a child
we just finished singing a song about God's unfailing love, which should rightfully lead us into a place of joy and celebration. And at the same time, we sit in a place where when we look at our world and when we look across our cities, we see brokenness and we see pain, we see racism, we see violence, and it leads us to a place of sadness. It leads us into a a place of lament. And I want to remind us that as Christ followers, our lament should always be a hopeful lament because we look forward to that day when Jesus will come again and just set all things right, make all things new. This is not a fairy tale longing that we have. This is based in reality and it's, it's based and rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. That, that Jesus will one day come again and bring that same resurrection power to bear on behalf of all of creation. It's going to be a really exciting day. And so right now, I want to invite us into a prayerful yet hopeful reading of Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And it's a, a passage that ushers us into a vision of that new creation, of that day when things will be set right, on that day when peoples across the world will fully and truly and freely love each other, regardless of of language and race and culture and background. It's a day that we work for, that we long for, and that we pray for. So listen to these words prayerfully and hopefully today. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of them all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God. There he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord's teaching will go out from Zion. His word will go out from Jerusalem. The Lord will mediate between peoples and will settle disputes between strong nations far away. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Everyone will live in peace and prosperity, enjoying their own grapevines and fig trees, for there will be nothing to fear. The Lord of heaven's armies has made this promise. Though the nations around us follow their idols, we will follow the Lord our God forever and ever. Amen. Hey everyone, having just taken a few moments to worship in this space, we now want to take a few moments to have a key conversation in this space. A critical conversation, a spiritual one, even a relational one. And I am super pumped to have two personal friends of mine with me to help me do that today. I want to introduce to you Dr. Toyosi Olatade and Chief Paul Sikorsky. Gentlemen, thank you so much for making time to be here. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, I know you guys are very busy individuals as you serve and lead within our cities, and I'm grateful for the time. Paul, you are the chief of police in the largest law enforcement agency in the Quad Cities. You've been part of the Davenport Police Department for more than 30 years. You've been the chief since 2016. You are a personal friend of mine, and you're also a person of faith. And I'm thrilled that you've taken time to have this conversation together. I appreciate you. Uh, being in my life and and uh, and God being in my life and having this opportunity today to to talk about what's going on in our communities and in our, in our nation. Yeah, it's it's uh, for such a time as this kind of dynamic. It is. And and Timmy, you are also a chief, but you're the chief medical officer of Unity Point Health Trinity, and you're a member of the Heritage family. You serve on our local church board, and I am grateful for your community influence 
and your friendship as well in the season. Oh, thank you. We love that you're here and not only serving the cities, but serving alongside the church family as well. And I know in, in this particular season, both of you have been leading in some pretty significant complexities, stresses, uh, even some unrest within our city dynamics. And, and as a pastor and as a former law enforcement officer, even as a fellow community builder, uh, I'm grateful for what you do as you serve, but I've also had a burden for you guys. You are my friends, and we have sat in different spaces at different times, and we've talked about life, and we've talked about our communities, we've talked about things of faith, and this is one of those spaces for us to even create space to do that today, uh, to just have some conversation. And, and the reality is that this conversation is not intended to be end-all, be-all. Uh, it's not intended to cover every issue. It's just intended to create space to listen, even space to understand, to seek understanding and to be better and do better as we connect and build bridges. And, and I'd love to start this time, because you are my friends, I'd love to know how you're doing personally. In fact, if you were to pick one word that describes how you're doing in this season, what would it be and, and why is that? Well, um, right now, um, optimistic. Um, if you would have asked me that a week ago, um, uh, probably much different answers. Uh, you know, there was, there was times of anger, frustration, um, just being sick to my stomach of things that I've witnessed, uh, you know, that all of us witnessed um, on, uh, on video of you know, things that happen in, in Minneapolis. Um, but right now, um, several days later, uh, I would give you my word as optimism. Yeah, my, my word will be grateful. And um, I say grateful primarily because of um, a couple of things. From one angle, I know that we have, and I, we serve a God that is in control, um, that there's nothing that has happened or is going on that he's not aware of. And, um, and in, in that light, it says that uh, in this world, you have a lot of troubles. But it gives us the assurance that he, he has overcome. So there, even though I do not know exactly how we'll get out of um, what we're in, I don't, I don't have the prescription to write, um, I know that we will overcome um, because God has overcome. So that is, um, um, from, from my belief or faith, I mean, that's why I'm grateful because I, I know that we're not walking in this alone. I do not feel alone. And, uh, and also, I have seen, I've seen people respond. I mean, it's interesting that, um, or not, don't let me use the word interesting, but having the crisis we're having or the challenges we're having right now, right through the COVID pandemic, it's, it was quite, I, was, I would say, symbolic. Because what I learned through the COVID pandemic is, was that we're dealing with um, something that we had never dealt with in a long time, or at least our generation has not dealt with. And um, everyone rallied, everyone stepped in. Um, there was a lot of unknown, there was a lot of fear, um, but everyone stepped in and stepped up. So I, I can see that, and uh, it's almost a recipe for what? For how we're gonna deal with what we're dealing with now. Yeah. Like, and um, I've seen it succeed, and, um, and I know that um, there is hope, and uh, probably that's the optimism I, I share in that, because um, I've seen how people have rallied, and um, we're not in this alone. So. so I'm truly grateful for the way the two of you are leading within our communities, especially as our community and our nation continues to wrestle with issues around race and inequality and health and authority dynamics. As you have continued to walk that space, and I love that you identified optimistic and, and grateful as key words for you, but as you've walked in the complexities of it all, uh, what, has, what's, what has been most sad or frustrating for you in this particular season? Yeah, if I would take that, it's um, especially over the past couple of weeks, it has been knowing that for me and for and for us, God is love, and um, and the way we express love is one of the main ways we express love is really by loving 
one another, and they're not seeing that. Um, it, I think that is that is a sad part because I, I've seen the value of every single person of uh, of different color. I'd, I've I've had the the privilege of really interacting with many people of different color, different race, different profession, different socioeconomic background. And um, when you really get to know them, you know that, I mean, this, everyone is valuable. And then, and everyone is created in the image of God, but not, if you do not treat each other that way, and that's the sad part, because um, we're tearing each other down, and um, it's, that's the sad part that we we know, um, and, and many of us know that um, God is love. We're created in God's image, and that we are neighbors, we are brothers, um, but we are not treating each other that way. So that's the sad part. Yeah, when we when we lose a sense of the image of God in the other person, then we lose a sense of their value. Then we're not willing to necessarily listen, which means we ultimately probably don't understand whatever the conversation or dynamic is. Yeah. Paul, Paul, how about you? How would you answer that? Um, I agree with everything Timmy was talking about. And, um, and I, I think for me, it's really having seen and tasted uh, evil and hatred and division um, right here in our own community. Um, and, you know, that, that hurts. Um, I know what kind of community it, this is. Um, and that's not us as a Quad Cities, um, but you know, really experiencing that, and it, it, that that that's what hurts the most. And you know, I know we're not alone. I know Jesus is walking with us uh, through this, uh, through these trying times. Um, but to just experience that and to and to really feel it um, uh, hurts. The reality is leaders, uh, we, we kind of lead towards what can be. We, we engage what is for what can be. And you're both identifying a space of seeing, I see what can be. And it's hurtful, it's sorrowful that what is doesn't reflect all that can be. So, so let me transition the conversation slightly because as you have both served and led within our communities, you, you both recently took an opportunity to publicly kneel with others in the complexities of this season. And I'd love for, to take a moment to hear what that moment was, because there are two separate pictures of these two different moments where you each took time to kneel and to be alongside other people in these spaces of complexity. So can you just share for a moment what it felt like, what that meant for you to be in those spaces as you did that? How are you too? How are you too, Chief? Oh, thank you, Chief. <laughs> uh, well, um, when, when I was at the, uh, at the uh, Black Lives Matter protest at, uh, at Vandeveer, um, we actually called the people closer together and we all knelt together. Um, and, and I'll tell you, uh, that moment when I was kneeling and, and, and talking with, with, with God, it was, I had goosebumps on my forearms. Um, I consciously looked down and I could feel that, that energy, that power. Um, and we were all one community at the same time for that couple minutes, we all were together. Um, and it was just a very powerful, a powerful moment for me personally. Um, but then just to look around and see everybody doing that um, was, was for me um, one of those turning points where where I knew and I know in my heart that um, our community is going gonna, is gonna to thrive uh, over this, over this tragedy. Especially as we recognize the, the strength and, and value of being together, that we're more together than we are apart. And before Timmy steps into answering this, Paul, much of what you've been leading through is really around the tensions and the inequalities as it relates to uh, the members of our black community. Um, what if I can ask you, what is important to, why is it important to acknowledge the value of black lives in this season? Well, you know, the, it, the, the, there tends to be this, well, don't all lives matter, don't, and the answer to that is absolutely. But right now in this season, our focus is on a black man, a black family, and our black community. Um, you know, there's, 
there, there is a, there is a, uh, a plight that our, that our, um, um, our, 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 our black community members live through day after day. We all have to acknowledge that and really learn more about that. Um, I won't be able to experience that and know 100% what that's like. But just being a community member and being a leader in the community and being a police officer in this community, you know, my responsibility and really my heart's telling me that I need to learn more about that, um, learn more about that and acknowledge it. Um, it, it magnifies the, the, uh, the distrust uh, of the black community on police when we see what happened and it was a white police officer in Minneapolis and a black man, the victim was a black man. Um, that just magnifies the distrust that, that is, is out in the community anyway because of that. And that, that can relate to, and people equate that to all police officers and, and that distrust just builds. And, and that's, what, that's what really we have to do as, as Christians and we have to do as community leaders and I have to do as a police leader is to build trust after that's just been broken down and understandably so. When, when people call us and, uh, to come to their worst day, they expect us to solve problems and to be fair. Um, and when somebody within our profession doesn't do that or acts the way that we all witnessed um, back then, that, that reflects on all of us. And every time leaders like the two of you are willing to step into a space and, and to seek to listen and to understand and to build a bridge of connection and to empathize as much as we can, and, and that's the place that healing and forward moving can begin to take place. And, and, and love your willingness to do that, Paul. And, and Timmy, you've done, you did a similar thing where you, uh, in a space of kneeling with others. Uh, what was that space for you? What was that moment for you? For me, that was, it was a special moment. And um, a few things made it special. And I will acknowledge that I have been, especially over the past five, six years, I have been trying to intentionally understand what has been going on, what are the, what are the racial tensions. Now, you know, I'm from Nigeria, so I, I have a different perspective to this. I have not felt the same thing. I, I have been, uh, I've experienced racism, and um, that was when I was in, as you know, Sean, I was in med, med school in Russia. I was there for eight years. I've been mugged, um, but that has not, been um, a reality I've lived in on a day-to-day -day basis. So I've been trying to learn and, and, and engage the community. And uh, when this, this occurred, and I saw really, I, I actually took a leave from a lot of my colleagues at work, my, my colleagues, my fellow workers, the senior team at Trinity said, no, we cannot let this just go by without um, showing that we are with um, we are with other people that are affected. We said, yes, it says Black Lives Matter, and it was white code for Black Lives. That was the event that you saw that was kneeling. But it was actually all the healthcare workers came out, and, and um, I, I was shocked to see the enthusiasm by every single one, um, from the CEO to frontline workers. As I got on my knees, what struck me was um, yeah, this is time to connect with God and really pray for the, yeah, I mean, the healing of our land because um, um, there's a lot of healing that needs to take place. As a physician, I know when there's a, a, a wound that is not just healing and there's a lot of healing that needs, needs to take place. And I was, and th at that time I said, I would not waste the eight minutes, 40, 46 seconds I was going to be on my knees. I was just going to connect to God. I may be biased because you are my friends and brothers, but one of the things I love about the way you lead is with the understanding that, that there are certain things that we need God to do, that only he can do. And you know there's an element of dependence that we need to place in his hands and look to him for it to be able to be the leaders God calls us to be in in a space. And whether it's dealing with complexities around race or culture or even health dynamics, which 
part of the reality, and love for you to speak to this, Timmy, um, just the, the disproportionality of how COVID has shown up within our minority communities. W why is it important for, for us to understand that reality? You know, um, one of the things that we saw very early on in the COVID, in the quarter, as I know it was seen nationally, but we saw that even within Trinity Hospital. One of the things we saw was there was just many more people of color that were affected, that were sicker with this. And um, we, we said we were intentional in following the demographics and understand what was going on and how different communities were affected. And um, we saw that earlier on, it was about 14% of, of people that were sick with COVID were African-Americans. And in the Quad Cities, we, we had their, their population is just about 8%. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we look at the Hispanics as well. Um, they actually had a higher impact, higher impact of almost 25% to start with, compared with what about 9% of their of their um, uh, composition of the community. And um, the question was why, and um, what do we need to do different? And I, I remember conversations we had. Um, you know, we had an incident command sort of. Um, um, system at, at the hospital to deal with this, and um, so what is and the questions were what is going on and what can we do? What, why is this going on? And um, we wanted to really engage people where they were, so we had to move out from the walls of the hospital. So we talk a lot about the church being within the walls and moving out of the walls. Mm -hmm. um, I think we needed to move beyond the walls of the hospital into the communities that are affected, and um, and so uh, there was a simple thing such as. But there was a case where um, it was reported that a patient wanted to be tested for COVID and um, was felt that it was initial when the test capacity was limited and um, that patient was not tested, saying that, um, assuming that the symptoms were not typical, let me put it that way. And um, there was a call out from someone else and said, I think if it, if it was a, if it was a white man, a Caucasian man that came in and said the same thing, who will get tested? I mean, this is what we saw in the community, and uh, we started looking at so how can we be deliberate, intentional in really listening to um, to to people and meeting them where they are. I mean, the same thing can be said in different ways and maybe with a different tone and with a different emphasis. But we should be able to read between the lines as well and understand and be able to treat everyone the same way. And so. There was an outreach, and I know Esperanza Center was part of that, um, to the um, Hispanic community, to the um, African-American community to really educate quickly and inform, to make, them un make us understand that, yes, you are at a higher risk just by virtue of being a, a person of color. But we wanted to may not understand why, but we wanted to engage. And, um, and that, that was the key thing, engage people where they are. And, um, and just know that we are here to help. This is, this is what you need to do. These are the resources you have. But here, one of the things you said is the importance of engaging people. Like, if we're willing to recognize the image of God in the other person, then we see the value. Then we're willing to create space to listen so that we can understand. And it is about going and engaging. Uh, one of the things that we at Heritage strongly value is being a church family that builds bridges out of circles of relationship. And one of the anchoring scriptures for us as a church family is Jeremiah 29, 7, which specifically talks about seeking the peace and welfare, the prosperity of our cities. And I just want to read it out of the Amplified Version for a moment. It says, seek peace and well-being for the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its peace, in its well-being, you will have peace. When you, when you hear that scripture, when you hear those words, what, what does that passage mean for you? What do you think or feel when you hear that call to seek the peace and well-being of the cities that we live in? Yeah, I, I, th I think for me it's, it's, a, uh, it, it's a calling of um, that, you know, I was put into a position, um, uh, a calling if you will, um, to create peace and um, I can relax when we have peace. I can be at peace. So I'm seeking peace through making peace, uh, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's well said. Can I repeat that? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, it's, um, that's, 
when a few years ago, I, I read that Bible passage before and I, and I heard it. Um, Heritage, it was one of the, became a foundational verse in the, um, for what we do at Heritage. Seek the peace and, and the well-being and prosperity of the cities you've been called to. And that was a mindset change for myself and my wife. It was, I mean, we're, we've been called to this place. All right. And um, so it was a, so, and for me, in my profession, um, the well-being of a city, um, I can talk about our organization to, uh, trying to promote and improve the health of our communities, the communities we serve. And it goes beyond the health of, or the wealth of one person. It, it's really about the whole community. And uh, for me, it, it's become almost a call to action on a daily basis. Um, how am I helping to improve the the, the health of the community. And uh, I'm thankful that in my role, I can reach out to not just one patient, I can actually reach out to more. I can, we can have impact on more patients of, on the community at, at large. And that's one of the blessings through all of this is that you've been given the, the platform to be able to reach out to more people. And how are you, how are you engaging that platform to actually do that? I, yeah, and uh, I, I love how you, how you put that as, as that we are both, we have a platform, um, you do as well, you have a platform. And, but I, when, I hear that, when I hear that verse, I also, I also think that every individual um, has an opportunity to look at their own heart. Um, all of us have biases, all of us have had transgressions, we're human beings, we've made mistakes, we've sinned. Um, but to examine our own heart and pray uh, that God takes that those transgressions from us and just heals us, but, but also to, to know that every single person has, um, has influence, has the opportunity to influence, even if it's one person, if it's a neighbor, if it's somebody at the grocery store, uh, it, it, wherever they work, um, wherever they go, uh, they're a coach, um, just everybody has the opportunity for this influence of change, of fairness, um, and of love uh, and of grace and and we all have the opportunities to do that it's not just those uh, leaders that we expect and you know our community should expect that from us um, but all of us have that opportunity as well yeah we're, we're all positioned to use our circles of influence our relationships to build bridges um, to, to really seek the peace and well-being of all people um, and that's really, as a church, it's so foundational for us. We even named this building Bridgepoint to just once again recognize the commitment to seek the peace and well-being of the people of these cities and the cities themselves. And I know you, the two of you do that in your own individual context. So I, I wonder if I could invite you to shift thinking for a moment to really just simply consider what you think would be or what you feel would be the most helpful conversation moving forward. Or perhaps I can do it this way. And, and Timmy, I'll just speak to you specifically. You mentioned earlier that you and your wife, Ruth, are from Nigeria. But you're also raising two African-American kids. In the midst of that dynamic, what what is one thing you wish that the majority culture understood in this season? You know, that's um, it's a loaded question. But uh, if, if there'll be one thing, that will be uh, one that we all created in the image of God. I think the image of God is what really defines us as humans. We're humans because we are created in God's image. and. And there is, we've been, we've been at home right now. My, my daughter has been reading a small devotional. And interestingly, yesterday, one of the things she read was, uh, was that before we were born, God knew us and he formed us. And, and he did that without a mistake. And, um, and that's, she basically dropped the mic yesterday. And, uh, and that's what we really need to take out of this. Um, there's this beautiful picture, um, a song I, I knew from back home in Nigeria, but I, I realized later that it was in the Bible where, where John in Revelations was talking about a picture of where every nation, every people, every tribe, every tongue. So, so there's a, there is diversity right there, which is called out in the Bible. And what are they doing? They're doing one thing together. They're, 
singing hallelujah, they're singing praise, giving glory to God. That's just a beautiful picture. That's what we want um, I like people to understand through this. It's powerful imagery to recognize that we belong to each other and that before the Lord we are one people created by Him and for Him. Thank you. Paul, Paul, let me kind of shift the same question but slightly differently. What is one thing you would want the hurting of our community to know or understand about the law enforcement community in this season? Hmm. Cut. <laughs> oh, man. Um, give me just a sec. Okay. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know how, uh, how I can even explain, the uh, um, the confidence I have in our law enforcement here and the praise and admiration that I have for them. Um, you know, we have the, the, the police officers we have that work here in the Quad Cities and specifically that work at the Davenport Police Department. Um, they are um, committed, they're dedicated, they're professional, uh, they're human beings that make mistakes. Um, and they're just, uh, they're, they're caught at a, at, at a place um, you know, we have, uh, we've had, we have inequities in, in our community. Um, we've had, you know, system, systemic racism in, in, in our nation for hundreds of years. Um, we have, and systemic means systems. Um, systems meaning educational opportunities or lack thereof. Systems meaning housing opportunities or lack thereof. Um, inequities with jobs and with poverty, um, with health care. Uh, Timmy eloquent, so eloquently talked about that earlier. There's so many different lanes um, that, um, uh, that there are barriers to uh, members of our community, uh, black and brown members of our community in particular, that many of those inequities lead to disproportionate um, dealings with law enforcement. And, um, you know, many people want to have simple answers to this very, very complicated American um, uh, problem. Um, there isn't a policy that I can put in place um, that would solve um, hundreds of years of uh, inequity in our, in our nation. Um, if I could, I would do that for our whole community. I would do that for every man and woman that, that is a police officer out there. I would do that for the victims out there. Um, but none of us have those simple answers. It's, there, there are no simple answers. Um, so I have great admiration for the men and women who uh, put on this uniform. Um, our badges are not tarnished by what happens somewhere else. And we won't let them be. Um, we, uh, we promise to protect this community and we'll do so. Um, we'll make some mistakes along the way. Um, I will make mistakes along the way, um, but we're committed. And, um, and just, uh, you know, the, over, the, over the last several days, a uh, couple, week and a half or so, um, all of that just came out uh, under this umbrella of controversy and, and frustration and anger. Um, it has come out and, and, and our officers have just responded in, in such a professional manner um, in an understanding manner as well with, with our community members. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I just, I, I, I thank God that, that he put me in this position uh, to, to serve with them and to serve our community. Um, I mean that. And I, I want to thank you for the very real, honest human response to that. Because anytime we dehumanize any group of people, then we lose the value and the image of God in those people. And it creates a space of suffering. It creates a space of grief and loss to be dehumanized for color of skin or color of uniform. And um, leaders like the two of you willing to step into those spaces, again, become the key 
to bridging and moving forward, of creating space to listen and understand. And these are our cities, and the th we love our cities. And as leaders and influencers in our cities, how do you see we move forward from here? How do you, how do you see us moving forward as a community and as a people in the days ahead? Um, moving forward, I think it starts with, with um, we talked about acknowledging that there's a problem. I, I think um, there has to be that, um, that acknowledgement that there's a problem and we may not know um, how, what led to what we're seeing right now. We may not know all the details, but there's a problem. And um, I, I can use an analogy from the healthcare field. I'm sorry, I've dealt with that too long, so I'm going to use that. Um, no, we have, sometimes we, we do have a symptoms. We have a, a fever. And if I can keep on taking ibuprofen or Tylenol, um, the fever will subside for a little while. But if I do not get to the bottom of what was causing the fever, I'm just... It's just a Band-Aid. Um, so acknowledging that, yes, fever is a symptom of something, something deeper, and I'm seeking to find out what it is and getting to the root of it. Um, many times the reason we use, some people end up in the hospital with a severe infection is because they have been using ibuprofen or Tylenol to mask their fever for days, and then they end up coming in and they're almost at the, to the point of death. And the, the, what saves them is not the ibuprofen and Tylenol that we keep on giving them. It's really getting to the bottom of the problem. I think a lot of us, uh, uh, we, we stop at just kneeling, and that's it. Um, some of us kneel in our rooms and pray, but we need to go out and engage to show that love. We cannot say that um, we're a community of people with equal opportunities without going to show, to demonstrate that. So. Um, how about we tag team this one? Because I agree with everything Timmy was saying right there. And I'm, I, I will add one thing. Um, I will add uh, personal responsibility and involvement. Um, I think we can't look at others to take care of this problem for us. And I mean all of us, any of us. Um, I think all of us are the solution, not a leader here or a group there. Or I, I think individually, we all need to own this, uh, be responsible for it, and do what we can do within our circle of influence um, to, to make positive changes. And some, of, some circles are bigger. Some people have bigger circles than others. But all of us have influence, one on ourselves, our, our own hearts, and on this, that circle of influence that we have when we're willing to be part of the solution and not simply be part of the problem. There's the space that together we can actually move forward. I'm really appreciative of the interaction and conversation, the thinking around this. And I know none of us claim to have all the answers. We don't. But I do know we, we understand that prayer changes things. And I, I'd love, if you're willing, to just ask you to share one way that we as a church can be praying for you uh, in this, in the days ahead, in this season? Um, if I would take it, it's really uh, wisdom. I think wisdom here is, is really very important because uh, you can know things, you can un maybe understand things, but the wisdom to make the right decision at the right time, um, it's critical here to foster healing, to foster um, recovery, and to foster love. Wisdom is necessary, and um, I think that's what I, I would ask for. And, uh, I'll take the wisdom, too. <laughs> um, and I'll add, um, I think I, I, I would love to add peace, safety, and community. Um, for obvious reasons, and the community part is I just, I truly believe it's going to take all of us. Um, I don't think we can afford to have complacency um, during this time, and, um, and I would really love to have prayers for that. 
Well, I commit to you as my friends and brothers that I will be praying that way and the rest of the Heritage Church family will be leaning in alongside in those specific ways for you as you continue to lead. I, I again, want to say thank you for this time and willingness just to have a conversation, to create a space to understand and to listen together. And uh, specifically, one of the things that the church is doing this weekend is we're creating some space to engage in the sacrament of communion, which that action remembers and recognizes the greatest reconciling act of all time in Jesus. And as we prepare as a church to step into that space, as we even transition now into a space for additional worship, I'd love for you as my friends and as my brothers to engage with us in the sacrament of communion, even as we transition back into the rest of our service time. So thanks again, gentlemen, and uh, invite you to, to just share this uh, remembrance moment together even now. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Seré 